Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version and picking up in verse 1. It says this, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus. And he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist. How many of you know you want to correct Herod at that point? It's not John the Baptist. He says he heard the reports about Jesus. And then he said to his attendants, this is is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now, before we jump to verse 3, I just want to stop you there because it says, Now Herod. Now Herod. How many of you know sometimes you've got to pause and read the Bible and realize that what we've just seen here, if you were, have you ever seen a film when you watch at the beginning and you see the end of the film at the beginning of the film. Sometimes I find that a bit frustrating because I almost know what the end's going to be and I find, well, I've got to watch all this because I know what the end's going to be. And these first few verses before we get to verse 3 tell us the end of the film before we get to that point. Because when it says in verse 3, now Herod, in other words, it's saying a few months earlier, a few however weeks or months it was, a few months earlier. And if you've seen that on a film, it's kind of, I've got to step back and sometimes if I walk out of the room and my wife, I come, go and get a cup of tea, walk back in, I lose track of films and she says, I say, I don't know what's happening now. And she says to me, well, it's, it's because now we've gone back in time. And I get confused just if I walk out of the room, but we just see a point here. If we're not careful, we can read it as though it's one story. But actually what you're about to read is before this event where Herod believes that John the Baptist has risen from the dead. When in fact, it's Jesus. Verse 3. Now Herod had arrested. We've gone back in time. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guest and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted. And had John beheaded in the prison, his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Can I just say, this is is an 18-rated sermon today. None of us like to read these kind of things, do we? I mean, beheadings? Everyone's thinking, where's he going with this one? 
John's disciples, verse 12, came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about this story and what it means for you today as a believer. Today for us in our church, today for us as we walk through life, sometimes we don't understand why if we are serving God, if we're passionate for God, why things happen to us and knock us off track. How many of you know John the Baptist was a man recognized as someone special even in the eyes of Jesus? He was someone who was positioned for that time. His destiny, his purpose, positioned in that moment in time, in that time to release what Jesus was about to do. However, the end of the story for him is he's beheaded. Now... I'm not telling you today that your life is going to be over if you serve God. But what I want to tell you is this. Sometimes we've got to be ready for old seasons to finish and new things to begin. Amen? Sometimes we've got to be ready for the things that we're used to to come to an end for the new to come. How many of you heard that song that was so beautifully sang today about the new wine? That when the pressing comes, it releases something new. I preached just recently on new wineskins. You need new wineskins to hold the new wine. You put new wine in old wineskins, it will burst the thing. When the Passover came that we heard about earlier, that whole idea that something was going to come, Jesus was leading them to that place To get them ready for a new covenant. Something new as the old is past. Listen to me. When you in your life have problems and the devil attacks you. And sometimes it ain't the devil. It's just your own desires. Your own things that come your way. When things happen like this. Can I just say that you can sometimes feel weak. Paul said this. In my weakness I'm strong. Come on. It's... That doesn't work in the world's way of thinking, does it? Today the title of this message is this. Vulnerable yet invincible. Vulnerable yet invincible. Come on. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Jesus said this of John the Baptist. There has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I'm glad that he added that last sentence on. You know, I thought it was great. I'd love to be John the Baptist. But then he tells me that if I'm the least, I'm greater. That's the principle of the kingdom of God. You see, the thing is this. I can't understand why this story. I don't want to see John the Baptist lose his head. I don't want to see... You know, we think what we see on the news today with some of the terrorism, we think it's all new and it's never happened. We're talking about a party here where John the Baptist, one of the greatest men of God, had his head cut off. 
brought in on a platter in the middle of a party. This is the kind of persecution that the church was under. This is the kind of things that they were realizing and recognizing at the time. That great men of God, great women of God, shall I say as well, are hot targets for the enemy. You serve God. You put God at the center of your life. You make God that very thing that is the very center, just like Job did. And listen to me, you're a hot target for him. So you, get, you better get ready. Because the more you serve Jesus, the more the devil is getting ready to attack you. You are vulnerable, yet you're invincible. Why? The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Come on. Woo! In other words, your troubles that you face now, what is coming for you is an invincible eternal glory. It far outweighs anything that you can ever experience on earth. No matter what is happening to you, brother and sister, this morning, whatever you're going through right now, whatever troubles you're going through, whatever they are, they're achieving for you an eternal glory. Ooh, I'm ready to preach today. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Jesus said, John chapter 16, verse 33, He said, There'll be trouble in the world. But take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, you're going to get trouble. You're going to get things happen. You're going to get attacks from the enemy. But take heart, you serve a God of eternal glory. You have a promise. You may be vulnerable in the world, but yet you're invincible in me. That's what Stephen knew when he was being stoned to death. That's what Stephen recognized. Hallelujah. You see, in this storyline, if you put this into a film, this, this that we've just read, the villains get the upper hand. <laughs> the villains get the I mean, the villains get the, the upper hand. Basically, what happens is the villain characters affect John the Baptist's ministry. He's preaching, then he goes to prison, then he's persecuted to death. I mean, God, where are you? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going through a storm. Where are you? If I'm a preacher, if I'm a great person, if I'm serving you, why is this happening? Why do the villains in this story get the upper hand? Some of you right now, there are people in your life, you've been serving God, you've got villains all around you. Some of you, you're going to meet them at 9 o'clock tomorrow when you clock into work. You know it. you got some villains. You're, th- you're serving God. I had an amazing day at church yesterday. I was worshipping God. I was having an amazing time. But i got my villains that are going to attack me tomorrow. Why God? There's trouble in the world. Take heart. You serve an invincible God. In your vulnerability. Hallelujah. You see, maybe God had a, bit, a greater plan in all of this. I put here that Satan may attack the work of a season, but he will never destroy the work of the Spirit. He may attack the work of a season, 
Do you know one of the worst things is when, when you're leading church or whatever you do in church, whatever you do for God, if you're working hard and then the enemy attacks that work, and believe me, he can. Oh, yes. He can attack the work, but he cannot attack the work of the eternal spirit. And in this story, what we know is this, that John the Baptist knew that he was bringing a stepping stone to the next season. Hallelujah. You've got to get ready because there are things going to happen in your life sometimes you don't like when the enemy attacks you. Paul said this. He says this, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 to 9. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're not in despair. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always, he says, carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. In other words, I'm, I'm getting some trouble here. My son's got a little... I was nearly going to bring it in today, but I thought we might have an accident. We've got to think health and safety, you know. I was worried about Danger. I was going to pull him up and do this. My son, he got a, a present just a few years ago. It's called... If everyone's, anyone's ever seen one of these, Stretch Armstrong. It's a toy that you can stretch. My son got it at Christmas, and he says... I said, what is this thing? You know, it was delivered by Father Christmas. I didn't know, so... I got the toy... And I said to him, uh, well, what do you do? He says, it's indestructible, Dad. It's invincible. You cannot destroy this thing. How many of you know if you're a man, you want to get a knife out at this point and prove, <laughs> chop the thing's arms off? I grabbed all of this toy. I'm pulling it. I nearly had an accident in the room. That's why I didn't bring it to dead anger. But this thing, you can stretch it. it. depends how strong you are. The arms keep going. What I realize is that this thing stretches more when it's hot than it is cold. This thing stretches a lot. The the material inside it, this special material that allows this toy to be stretched, will always stretch better if the thing's hot. If it's cold days and you grab this thing, it's harder to pull. Can I just say to you, God is going to stretch you. He's going to allow the enemy to come into your life, stretch you, press you, release you for new wine. But can I say this? When the fire of the Holy Ghost is in you, when you're hot for Jesus, you'll stretch more and you'll not break. You'll stretch more. If you're cold, you're going to break easily. You're not going to stretch. We need to be malleable. We need to be stretchable. We need to be more than stretch Armstrong. Come on. We're hard pressed on every side. We're stretched. Listen, God wants to do something new. You see, when you're stretched, it gets you ready for a greater capacity in your life. For the release of what God wants to do next hallelujah i taught last week on being led by the spirit the title of that message was spirit walkers you know the more you walk in the spirit you're always going to be vulnerable to the flesh there's a vulnerability you can't say that being born again christian you're invincible and nothing happens we got to be true but the reality is that we're invincible through the spirit not through the flesh Amen. So there's a vulnerability in the flesh, but if you live life by the Spirit as John the Baptist did, you can have your head cut off and know that the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. Come on. So I don't know what's been chopped off in your life today in your head, if the life's been cut off something, but I got some good news for you today. 
That even when the enemy come to steal, kill and destroy against you. While ever you serve God. While ever you walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. There's a promise over your life. I want to just bring a few things out of this scripture today to help you. And the number one is this. God's purpose is greater than our injustice. God's purpose is greater than our injustice. Have you ever had an injustice in your life? Come on. When someone's done something to you, you think it's unfair. You don't think it's fair that that person should get away with the thing that they're doing to you. You think that you need to sort this out. We've all got them. I tell you, no one put their hand up, but the reality is we've all had a personal injustice. In fact, right now you can think of one. It might have happened 10 years ago. You might need to forgive that person today. But a personal injustice. And listen, this great man of God, John the Baptist, was served a great injustice. Pulled in by Herod, put into prison, locked up, bound, personal injustice. All I've been doing is telling the truth. All I've been doing is preaching the truth. All I've been doing is serving God. All I have been doing is doing what my father told me to do. And what's happened? I'm in prison. I'm bound. I have a personal injustice. He had a great injustice and he was a great man of God. I'll tell you why he got put in prison. It's because he made Herod's sin a public issue. How many of you know if you speak truth, you're going to get yourself in trouble? It's crazy, isn't it? The fact that you can tell the truth but get into more trouble. That's what the kingdom of God is. You, the more you preach truth in this world that we live in today, the more you declare truth, the more trouble you're going to get in. I'm sorry. Why? Because the enemy hates truth. He will do anything he can to get rid of truth. He wants everyone to live their life based on the lie. Because he's the father of lies. John's arrested. He's bound. And he's put in prison. The question is this. God's purpose over your life. Do you see his purpose or do you see the injustice? You see, John was put into prison. He has a moment in time where he can say to himself, this is, this is it. I've finished. I'm quitting with Jesus. I'm quitting with this whole thing. You see, his life was fulfilling Isaiah 40, the prophecy. It was fulfilling a prophetic word. He could have said, I'm quitting this whole thing because what I'm going through, I'm faced now with death. In fact, they want to kill me, but thankfully, Herod likes me a little bit. So they're just, they're just locking me up. But there's a point in time where he could have just said, do you know what? When they came to give him his food one day, hey, can I just have a chat to you, Herod? Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my statement. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revert back to, actually, it's easy if I just talk the lie rather than the truth because then I'm not going to have any of this... This thing happening to me. You see, the enemy wants you to change your statement. He wants you to change what you say. Because often and enough, serving God will get you into trouble. You know, our response to personal injustice, it can either develop your character or build it. It can either develop, sorry, crush your character or it can build your character. Do one or the other. 
Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 9, his final letter. This is, you've got to remember, this is Paul writing from the prison in Rome to Timothy, the pastor in Ephesus. And he says this, it's his final letter. How many of you love to, you know, when people are saying that last dying breath on a film, what are they going to say? This is his last letter. And he says this to him, he says, I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, I just want to shout out to you and tell you, I'm in prison here. The chains are heavy on my hands. The chains are heavy on my legs. I'm feeling the oppression. But I want to tell you something. My life in the flesh is oppressed. I'm feeling the vulnerability of serving God. But I want to tell you today, there's an invincibility inside of me. Because the word of God cannot be chained. How many of you want the word of God living inside of you? Come on. He says this, his response is, it's character this. It's character when he says, I'm chained, but yet I can say that I am suffering and I know that the things I'm going through, they're going to achieve for me an eternal glory. Hallelujah. Philippians 1.12, he says again from prison, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, my problems are now advancing in something new, something fresh, something bigger. God's purpose is greater than your injustice. What life events happened to you today that you're saying, it's not fair that this happened? What life event is it for you today that, that, that you feel has locked you down? What is it? Some of us have these life events that we, we allow the enemy to chain us and hold us. But listen to me. The enemy cannot chain what God has prepared for you. You might be in, uh, in that difficult job. You might be in that difficult relationship. You might be right now in a position in your life where your finances, everything seems like you're in a, in a mess. You're in debt. You're chained to some problem. But let me tell you, whatever is happening in your life, whatever event you're going through right now in your life, you can never have what God has prepared for you chained. When you submit to His authority, when you give everything that you are to Him. I'll tell you what is. If you let these chains of bitterness come in, that's the real chains. The injustice that you were served... I'll tell you what happens. That's the real chains that stop you from going into the kingdom of God. You allow bitterness to creep in. It will wrap around your heart. And when it wraps around your heart, it will chain you from moving forward. It will chain you. I went and got my bike out of the shed the other day. I've got a a nice bike, but a terrible shed. It's got holes in it, gaps in it. It's that bad that the ivy outside is growing into the shed now. It's more of a jungle in our shed than it is outside the shed. So I went to get my bike out the other day and I spent about 20 minutes removing all the ivy that was growing around my wheel. The wheel wouldn't turn for the ivy. How about that? And I realized something that sometimes in our lives we let bitterness come in and creep in. This is the chain. When you've been served an injustice, bitterness creeps in. It chains your heart and it stops momentum. It stops you from moving. 
And so the reality is, what you've got to get from this is that God's purpose, these men of God, these people of God were saying, I don't want to let my injustice destroy my purpose. Therefore, I'm going to let these chains that can easily wrap around me of bitterness towards King Herod and everyone else in this, these villain characters, I can let them get to me or I can let myself free from them. I want to just say to you today, some of you got to let, let these people do what they're doing and know that God is in control. His purpose is in control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's all about your character that you maintain through your injustice. Mark 6, Mark chapter 6 reveals this same story, same story, just another account. It says this, Herod feared John. So he's got him in prison. He feared John, protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. In other words, Mark chapter 6 tells us that King Herod, who locked him up, he didn't want to kill him. Everyone wants to kill him. Even though he, he brought truth about his sin, this is what the kingdom of God's like, you see. It convicts us, and there's something about it, that we love God as well. So what happens is, King Herod hears John preaching, he knows it makes him uncomfortable, but yet there is something in him that likes him. It puzzles him because he's not just there yet. How many of you know that sometimes people are just not, not just there yet? You've got to help them over the line. That's what discipleship's for, isn't it? Helping them over the line. He was a bit puzzled. He liked him, but he was a bit puzzled. That's that kind of in-between process. The reality is this, that what, what I'm trying to show you is here. Mark 6 gives an account of the same story that tells us that the personal injustice that he had, he still kept a character that showed he was a holy man and people liked him. That's why you've got to watch the enemy because the enemy is going to wrap you in chains so that people begin to not like your character in your injustice. But this is the reason what I'm saying to you today is that he was vulnerable, yet he was invincible because he kept the main thing, the main thing. The kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He maintained his character. Why? For the message and purpose of Isaiah 40, of what he would do, that prophetic word. Isaiah, Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, See to that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness will destroy. It will come against you. But I want to tell you today, it's time to let go of those injustices. And say, I'm not going to let the injustice destroy my purpose. Amen. Come on church. Hallelujah. Number two is this, that God's sovereignty is greater than the devil's opportunity. God's sovereignty is greater than the devil's opportunity. I was, I was working on my, my laptop just the other day. How many, if, if this means anything to you, who's, who's an Apple Mac user? We've got a few. Who's a PC user? Who doesn't care? <laughs> I've been using Apple Macs now in my, my work and things I used to do for 20 years. All the way through, people that have arguments with me say, are you an Apple user or a PC user? I say, I'm an Apple user because I like Apple. And I'm not trying to tell you, by the way, there's, there are other makes that you can buy. This is not about promoting Apple. Don't worry. Don't come and send me your letters after. But I like Apple more than PC. That's my preference. 
But for 20 years, I'll tell you why I've liked them. For 20 years, I've never used virus software. Everyone would say to me, you'll never get a virus with Apple. There's no problems. You just use them. You go into PC world, you say, I want to buy the latest PC. It's a bit cheaper than a Mac. But if you buy this, you're going to need Norton's antivirus software. How much is that? Well, that's about £100 a year. Well, you work the figures out, you end up paying more. So I would say, well, I'll go for the Mac then because I don't have to have any virus software. For 20 years, I've never installed virus protective software. So I'm just living the dream, laughing at my PC friends when they say i got a virus. No, I'm not really. Praying for them. I wouldn't do that. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? So, so I, I'm happy I've got this. Then the other day, right in the middle of preparing a message, all of a sudden I get a virus. 20 years, free from virus. All of a sudden the Mac gets attacked. This thing, I couldn't look, I couldn't even use a browser. Every time I tried to type, it took over the browser. This thing was destroying my computer right in front of my eyes. Alarm bells are coming up saying, you've got a virus. I'm thinking, what is going on? So I downloaded Norton's antivirus software. Come on. I downloaded, I had to do it. And guess what? It fixed it. It fixed it. The thing is this. 20 years I had hoped that I wasn't going to have a problem. I kind of stood on the ground that I've made the best choice. But sometimes in our opportune, in our weaknesses... The devil takes opportune times. Just when we're not ready, he slips in and tries to attack the work of God. And it says here in Matthew 14, on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests. If you were watching the film, this is not the part where you're going to expect anything nasty to happen. What? We're going to see a beheading in the middle of a party. Now this is going to, this is a nice... This is where everyone's dancing. This is where everyone's having a fun time. This is the good season. This is party time. This is not the time for the devil to attack. It says this. It pleased Herod so much. Oh, he's happy now. That he promised. It's amazing what you do when you're happy, isn't it? You be careful. Be, be careful, you husbands, what you promise your wives when you're happy. It pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Goodness me. I'm glad they didn't have cards then, credit cards. <laughs> Verse 8. Prompted by her mother. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here. This is where it gets a bit sour, isn't it? You know, the, Everyone's having a good time. Give me here. The head of John the Baptist on a platter. Wow. The ratings just changed. This is no longer a PG. This is an 18. This is serious. You see, let me just show you something here. This is a little nugget for you. But I want to just show you something. The enemy, when he works, he works through people. Because here what we read is this. That Herod is pleased. He's happy. And then it says that Herodias' daughter dance, please the guests. He promised to give whatever she asked. Then it says, prompted by her mother. Can I just say to you, when Satan works, he uses manipulation from others. You see, it was never her idea to ask for the head of John the Baptist. 
It was never a high idea. How many of you know that sometimes there are people around you in your life that you've associated with friends and what will happen is you, you put these people around you, they're going to manipulate you to do things that you don't want to do. They're going to destroy the work of God because you hang around with the wrong crowd. You see, bad company is going to corrupt your character. And so what happens is, you know, she gets, she's dancing away and what's happened is she's had a prompting. How many of you know the devil loves to just little prompts? He doesn't, he doesn't come out and just wave a flag in the pie and say, now's the time, cue, cue action, we need to get the head cut off now. No, now is the time to prompt. Use people. Manipulation. That's what Jezebel was. Manipulation, manipulative spirit that controls and does something to make something else happen, to destroy the work of God. So what happens is, can I just say to you, in your life, you better watch out for party time. You better watch out for when you think that there's nothing going to happen. There are some loopholes that the devil is waiting to use. And what he's looking is for those opportunities to get those little arrows in right when you least expect it to destroy the work of God. Every time, it's this party time. Listen, some of you, you can have the best seasons of your life. That's when you're going to find the devil attacks you most. When you're in party mode, that's when he knows that you let your guard down. Mark 6 verse 21 of this same story says, just before it's about to happen, this beheading and the dancing, he says, finally the opportune time came. Did you hear that? Finally, the opportune time came. The devil is always looking for an opportunity. He did it with Jesus. He went away to come back for an opportune time. He looks for moments and look what he did. He chooses the moment when they're dancing. The devil's going to try and do it in your life. The devil's opportunity is to try and attack you in these weak moments when you feel happy. I took my kids to the cinema the other, the other week. You get the tickets, you get to the... I tried to get cheap tickets, go on a, on a Monday evening. You get to the... You know, I always try to get the deals. And I get to the front of the till. How many of you know that you end up spending more on food than the actual cinema? You think you got a good deal. You get to the front of the queue, the set, and, the, and if you got the kids with you, this is the problem. The kids are suddenly actually, Dad, can I have some popcorn? Of course you can, sir. How much is it? Five ninety nine. No, you can't. <laughs> You're on a diet. <laughs> and so am I. Dad, can, can I have a Diet Coke? Yes, what size do you do? We do the medium, or you can have the large. Another 30p. You're always wondering, is it worth the 30p extra? You always say yes, because you think, well, I'll have the extra one. You're spending more. I get a coffee, I'll have a large. And then you walk in and you think, I've just spent, I need a mortgage just to get in the cinema. (laughs) How many of you know, children will take the opportune time. (laughs) When you are at the till and there's someone asking you. Because you don't want to look like you deprive your children. I'm sorry we're saving up at the moment. I'm sorry the children can't have any popcorn because we're going to decorate the living room. No, you want to look like you're a good dad or a good mum. Yeah, have what you want, children. Then you never enjoy the film because you're thinking, how are we going to pay for all this? 
Herodias' daughter asked for the head of John the Baptist right in party time. Opportune time. Mark 6, verse 21. Verse 11, it says his head was brought in on a platter. You imagine, come on. Some of us, we read the Bible, we think it's a, a, we think it's a nice book. It has got some terrible stuff in it. It brings the point to us and, re- and, and makes us realize today that the kingdom of God, it, when you serve God, there's going to be times when you go through difficult seasons. And it says this, verse 11, his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Did you see that? She gets the head. She thinks, why did I ask for that? I didn't ask for I asked for the head, but I don't really want it. So where's my mum? That's what manipulation is. People do things that they don't realize why they're doing it because they've been controlled by a manipulative spirit. I can't even speak. So she says, I've got what I asked for, but hang on a sec. What did I ask for this for? Where's mum? You asked for the head. John never wanted the head cut off because he liked him. It's all getting messy. This is what the enemy's like. But do you know something? You look through the Bible, you look at when David cuts off Goliath's head. There's something about beheading that when they cut the head off, sorry for all you children who are here today, but this is real stuff. You should be in Treasure Kids anyway. <laughs> but when the head is cut off something, it represents its identity. Why did, why did David carry the head of Goliath back? It's to prove they didn't have DNA. They didn't have DNA then. They, they had to say, this is it. Goliath's dead. The identity of the body, you see in this story, it says that his disciples came along. They, they got the body, but who got the head? They got the head. Because the head represented identity. And I want to tell you today, some of you right now, what you're in, you're in a situation, a season today, where something has been cut off. The old has gone. You're wondering, why has God allowed this thing to happen? And almost what's happened is, this season's come where the devil's come to attack. And it's, it's tried to challenge your identity. It's tried to cut off the life of who you were. And take that identity. And I want to tell you today that you have not lost your identity. Why? Because the identity that John the Baptist stood for was in the Spirit of God. It wasn't his head. It wasn't his flesh. His identity was in God. So if something's been cut off in your life, something's happened in your life, I want to tell you the good news today. Is that whatever identity you feel you've lost, you've not lost your identity in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, what the devil thought was an end to the story is actually an opportunity for God to release the next season. Amen. John the Baptist, let me just say this. John the Baptist was a waymaker season. John the Baptist was a waymaker season. We sung it this morning. He was a waymaker season. What he knew in his life was this I am a voice calling in the wilderness. <laughs> in other words, I'm a stepping stone. So when you chop my head off, you're not killing anything. I am part of this big, amazing puzzle of the eternal glory of God. So you chop my head off. You try and remove my identity. You don't remove anything. You can put my head on a platter and take it into any party. But I'm telling you, it will not change what God is doing in this earth. His sovereign plan. The devil's opportunity can't change his sovereignty. 
Why do I know this? Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, it says this, the beginning, very at the beginning, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in, in Isaiah the prophet, then it goes on to speak of John the Baptist. So it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus who's going to come, it says this, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Now it's John the Baptist. Who will prepare a way for you, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. My son loves to play games. Has anyone ever seen the trump cards? Little cards that you get, the, the kids get, and they, they have pictures of different things. You can have aeroplanes, everything. And Jacob, my son, he'll always come and say, Dad, do you want a game of trumps? And he's, he's, very, he's very cheeky. He gets the cards and he dishes them out, but I always watch him. And he always looks, because these cards have got different things. So he'll say, aeroplane, speed, I don't know, 500 mile an hour. The, the Concorde is this. And he looks in the pack for the one that's got the highest value numbers. Because what we have to do is lay them down and whoever's got the highest number wins. And so he, he prepares the cards privately in the corner. <laughs> you know, it's like one of them things when you know, you, you're playing with your son but you really know what's going to happen. You know the end result. But you just act as though you don't know. You say, come on then, let's play. And you know he's got all the best cards. And you're like, you're dishing them out. You say, well, I've, got, I've got terrible numbers. He's going, well, it's bad for you. <laughs> and I know he's, he's waiting to give the big trump card, you know, the, the blackbird that goes this speed. And, and, and I'm putting the cards down. And, and I know the outcome because I know he's pre-planned the cards to work in his favor. Can I say to you today that God in his sovereignty, he wrote Isaiah 40 was penned in the Bible hundreds of years prior to this event. That it was going to be the trump card that when the enemy took the opportunity over this circumstance that God said, I want to tell you I've got a trump card. You weren't ready for it, but I was there before you. And Isaiah 40 says this, that no matter what happens, he is a voice calling in the wilderness to prepare the way. It's the same over your life. I'm sorry I'm shouting this morning. I'm excited. It's the same over your life today. If you serve God, you walk in the spirit. He says, I've got trump cards ready. Because when the devil brings his opportunity, there is a sovereign plan over your life that I'm going to show him that this is the number. This is what's written about my brother and sister this morning. No matter what happens, you're hard pressed on every side. Listen to me, the promises are yes and amen. I got good news for you. That dead season that you've just seen, that you thought was amazing, it's actually a path to something greater. Hallelujah. It's actually a path. Whatever you're looking back and saying, I don't want that to die. Jesus says to you today, I want you to look to the next season of what I'm going to do in your life. The good news is the story is not over yet. Say the story is not over yet. Come on. Do you believe that? Come on. Finally, God's tomorrow is greater than today's sorrow. God's tomorrow, His plan for you is greater than today's sorrow. Oh, you don't understand. We sung about it earlier. He, He mends the broken heart. How many of you know that God understands vulnerability? That he understands broken hearts. He understands your emotions. He loves to 
Put the Holy Spirit around you to help you in your emotions, your difficulties, your depression, your worries, your fears. <coughs> See, there's another person in this story that we've been talking about all the way through, and it's not just John the Baptist, it's the next season, it's Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see what happens next is this in verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, Jesus gets the news. He gets the notification. He receives a notification. Oh, this has just happened. Did you know the disciples tell him, have you heard what's happened? There was a party going on. Some, they were having lots of fun. And you're not going to believe this Jesus. But John the Baptist, his head's just been cut off. He's dead. He's dead. They were having a party. This is what happened. It's all over. He's dead. The man that we were putting our trust, he's dead. He's lost his identity. That's it. It's all over. Do you know what Jesus doesn't do? He doesn't just go, come on then, let's start into the next season. No, it says he retreats to a solitary place by boat. How, what does that show you about Jesus? He says he's, he has emotions. Jesus has emotions. When he hears the news, he's not a robot, some invincible robot that says, oh, I'm just going to move on now. It's my time. It's my moment. No, he's, he has emotions. Jesus knows what it's like when you suffer grief. He knows what it's like when you suffer an attack. And there's nothing wrong with retreating into a solitary place. There's nothing wrong with being upset. Can I just give you the freedom today to cry? The freedom to be upset. The freedom to sometimes be broken inside. Because I believe he was. This is a man who he said was a great man. A season has come to an end. And I'm, not, I'm just not going to I need to get some time out of here. So I'm going to get to the solitary place. I need to get out of the way of all these, these people. I need to get some, some time. I need to get some time. Some of you right now need to learn what it is to get into the place, a solitary place with God. Time away. When you're hurt. When the season has come to an end. To say, I'm going to spend time with the Father because I know something, something good's coming. But I need to let my heart be mended in His presence. Amen. He retreats. He says He withdraws. He withdraws by boat. To a solitary place. Listen to this. A season of sorrow can become your place of breakdown or your place of breakthrough. A season of sorrow can become your place of breakdown or breakthrough. It can be a platform for breakthrough or it can be a place where you stay. And I just believe there's a word for someone here today. There is someone here. You have been in a place of a solitary confinement. You've placed yourself in that place of grief. You've placed yourself in that place of loss for an old season. But the word of God to you today is this. It's time for you to step out because you're not supposed to stay there. You're supposed to let that be a platform for your breakthrough. It shan't be a place for your breakdown. God says, I've got something greater and I'm healing you. I'm doing something in that place. But I'm doing it not to just leave you there and nurse you there. But I'm going to take you to the next season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus revealed his vulnerability here. But he also showed that he could leave his vulnerability. 
He could leave his vulnerability to walk into what is invincibility of what God, the Father, had planned for him. So what does it say? Verse 13 continues. It says, hearing of this. So remember, Jesus hears something. What does he do? He hears the news. He retreats. But then it says this. These crowds, they can, these crowds, they can really beckon on Jesus. It says, hearing of this, the crowds now followed him on foot. He can't even stay in the solitary place without people trying to chase after him from the towns. So here he is. Jesus trying to have some time out. He's trying to get, get his head around this. What's going to happen next? I know what the scriptures say. I know what I'm here to do. I'm here to serve my father. I am the one who is going to move into the next season to follow on from this voice in the wilderness. You know, he must decrease so that I can increase. This has got to happen, but I'm here. And then all of a sudden, he's in this moment of solitary place. He's in this place of grief. And what happens? He starts to hear the voices of the crowd. I believe... That God's sovereign plan knew that Jesus, he had to hear the voice of the crowds. Because listen to me, if you serve God, this is what happens. You can be in a place of vulnerability. You can be in a place of your emotions are totally challenged. And let me tell you this today. Whatever you feel like, there's always going to be a voice that's ringing on the other side that says, come into this next season. The crowds were beckoning him into his season. What does it say happened next? He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Wow. Jesus left his season of vulnerability to walk into his predestined sovereignty. He says, I'm not staying there. It's not my place. It's not my identity. I'm going to let this thing pass. It's time for that Passover. It's time for that thing to go, the old to go, for me to move into the new. Hallelujah. He had compassion on them to heal the sick. I just sensed as well today, there's a word for someone here. You have been in that place of solitary confinement. You feel like you're suffering depression from it. He says this, that Jesus had compassion. Sometimes when you've suffered depression, you can have compassion for others. Sometimes when you've been placed in, in, in your place of solitary confinement, in your place of depression, you have better compassion. So what Jesus finds is that he suffers in this place, but he's able to come out and have compassion for those who need him. Can I just say, do you know what the next thing in this scene of this story is? Jesus comes out, he doesn't just heal the sick, read the next part of the story, he feeds 5,000 people, plus women and children. I mean, come on, church, you... You've just had your best ministry partner, your predecessor, that person who's a great man of God, has just had his head cut off, and you now move from this place, and you go in to perform one of the greatest miracles still recorded today. Do you know what that is? That's not God just disregarding John the Baptist. It's God giving him the strength to walk into his destiny and purpose, knowing that it's all by the Spirit and not by your own strength. That he sees this amazing miracle happen. Jesus knew he couldn't stay there. Otherwise he wouldn't release that Isaiah 40 to go through. And I'm just going to come right back to the beginning. If the team could come back and just join me up here, that would be great. And then we're going to take the offering just shortly. Just hang on just a moment. I want to go right back to that beginning of that scripture that I started with as I come to finish. 
at the very beginning of this, these verses. You see, we stepped back and we said a few months earlier, but now let's go back. We're now at the end of the film. We're now at the end of the film. We're now at the end. The villains have done all their work. They've done all their damage. Now it's back to the end where we saw at the beginning. And it says this, at that time, so here we are, we've, we've reached the end and now we're back again. We've seen it a second time. Herod, the Tetrarch, heard the reports about Jesus. What did he hear? He hears that Jesus is going around healing the sick. He hears that Jesus is feeding the 5,000. He's getting some reports through on his notifications. Gee, who is this? What's happening? The feeding of the 5,000 comes up on BBC News Alert. Feeding the 5,000 plus women and children. Wow. Healings? Wow. Who is this? It's this Jesus. No, it's not. It's not. It's John the Baptist. It's that guy I used to speak to in the cell on a night. It's that guy who I was puzzled by his words and I was amazed I didn't want to kill him because I knew there was something special in him. It's him. No, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He, 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 was, he was a little bit quiet for a while, but he's just come back out and, and there's reports he's doing this. No, no, no. This is not Jesus. It's John. The, it's the man we killed. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. Well, how do you know that? Because, because there's miraculous powers at work in him. I saw miraculous powers at work in John. There was something special about him. What am I trying to say here today? Herod confused Jesus with John. Why? Because it's not about the face and the identity. It's about the spirit at work within them both that have the same identity. You can have an old season and a new season. But listen to me, when you serve God, this is how you detect and discern the spirits. It always has the same face. You, want, you, you look at the fruit, you'll see whether something's of God. Some people say, I don't know if this is Satan or not, or if it's, if, if, if it's the Holy Spirit. You'll know the face of the Holy Ghost. You'll know the face of the Spirit. He says, no, this is, I'm getting confused. This is, this is the guy who's risen from the dead. Wow, what an amazing thing to say from King Herod to say that. He's risen from the dead. Why? Because there's miraculous powers. This thing's got the same face as the man I used to chat to in the cell. Jesus, it's not Jesus, it must be him. No, it's Jesus. No, it must be him. That's why, because when you see two seasons with the same spirit, you realize that it's God who's in all this plan. It's not about people. It's not about identities. It's not about John the Baptist. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And i got some news for you today. That which looks like it's dead. That which looks like it had its head cut off in your life. That which looks like you facing an end to a season. God above today has brought you here to hear this. That you thought it was over. But now it's about to release something new. Now it's about to release something fresh. He says, I've got something greater for you. Because the more you serve me, the more you walk by my spirit. It's not about whether it looks like this or looks like if it looks like me you're invincible why? because if you die tomorrow and you serve God you've got eternity with him you can be vulnerable and invincible at the same time come on let's stand
Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.